Thank you for that film. I think that was a wonderful introduction, as was the uh, music that we had from Plockton High School and from Douglas Academy, two of our centres of excellence for education in Scotland. Their collaboration has brought together the Highlands and Eastern Bartonshire, and it reminds us that we're all part of a wider education community and all part of a wider country. That video shows how the community approach in education works. We're making progress across whole, the whole country and in the widest possible ranges of work. Whatever our involvement in Scottish education is, whether it's teachers, parents, pupils, administrators, even politicians, our mission, our collective mission, is to make a good system great. And as that film shows, we are making progress. This is now my fifth Scottish Learning Festival, and I'm delighted to see how this event has grown and progressed, and all credit is due to Bill and to his colleagues. But the time we find ourselves in this year is quite different. Last Thursday, the people of Scotland voted in the referendum. The world over, the campaign and the ballot were followed with enormous interest. During the Enlightenment, Voltaire said that we get all our ideas from Scotland. Scotland is now seen worldwide as a model for civilized debate and decision. And most of all, the world has welcomed, as I have greatly welcomed, the introduction of votes for 16 and 17 year olds. I believed in that from the beginning, I argued for it, and I'm delighted with its success. Their passion, their articulation of the arguments and their determination to vote was inspiring. The franchise must not be narrowed again. That reform is here to stay. But what does the result tell politicians like me? I believe Scotland asked its politicians to work together to get the best possible outcomes, particularly from the Westminster vow. Not only 1.6 million yes voters voted for a fairer society, but many, many, many of the two million no voters did so too. We disagreed perhaps more on means than on ends. And Scotland also said that the old way of doing politics must come to an end. Better decisions are made by working with people, not imposing on them. Fairness is best judged by those who suffer rather than those who do well. A different set of priorities and policies, some already introduced by the government over the past seven years, is possible. Alienation from politics and society isn't inevitable because inspiration casts out indifference as an 85% poll showed only too well. So we've got two things to do. We have to make sure all of us that the promises Westminster made are honored in full in the pledge timescale. And we have to move forward doing things differently, involving the whole of Scotland in decision-making, including decisions that will improve life for children and young people in our own communities and beyond. So I want to help that process on. So today I'm announcing a children's summit for Scotland, bringing together children, young people, those who support them and the wider civic society. This gathering, I hope, will be the beginning of a process that will see a children and young people's conversation take place around the country, harnessing the renewed interest in positive, energizing, consented improvement that we've seen over the past two years. That summit will determine the effective way to involve everyone at grassroots level in improving, going on improving services for children and young people. 
I've asked my ministerial colleagues, Alistair Allen and Aileen Campbell, to oversee the process. But ultimately, the improvements will be driven by children and young people themselves. Despite our disappointments, we all have, I'm sure, an even stronger ambition to raise attainment for all, to make progress in higher education, to transform our system of childcare so that it sets the benchmark in Europe. Some of those aims will now be harder to achieve. Some cannot be completely fulfilled. But we must and we will take decisive and important steps forward. And I think all of us would agree that the last two years, the last few months, have been an invigorating experience. The sense of purpose coming through Scottish life has been unmistakable. In my own constituency of Argyll and Butte, we've experienced a political, cultural and social Indian summer, as well as a climactic one. In cities, towns and villages, the length and breadth of this country, we've witnessed the most extraordinary grassroots movement any of us has ever seen. It's been a civic debate like no other, characterized by enthusiasm, hope, creativity, generosity of spirit and inclusiveness. This year, Scotland gave birth to a diverse, multi-layered movement which sought to change our land and ourselves for the better. In many important ways, it succeeded and it will go on succeeding. Through the referendum, as the eyes of the world were upon us, we rediscovered our self-confidence and found our own voice. Alistair Gray wrote this weekend that the final result has been a great pity. Now, I'm still a nationalist. I still want to see independence. But surely, the great pity would really be if we miss this opportunity to harness the energy and spirit that the country has produced to achieve some good and some major steps forward. To do that, we must continue to draw on the same spirit which started us out on this great journey, the Scottish spirit of ambition. Now, we are no strangers to ambition in Scottish education. Whilst it's true that last week's vote was always going to have little immediate impact on curriculum for excellence, that's been a work of ambition and vision, one that we've shared and worked on together. Collaboration has been the hallmark of our whole approach. We have listened and learned from each other. We've done so with a firm commitment to the traditional values of Scottish education and with a firm foundation within them and especially the values of access and excellence. A partnership culture has grown up around CFE. It represents a decade of collaboration and support from the unions, parents, pupils and teachers. In this week of reflection, I'm pleased to have been there at the very beginning of the process as a member of what was then the Scottish Parliament's Education, Culture and Sport Committee inquiry into the purposes of Scottish education. And this has been a crucial year for CFE. The new national qualifications have represented a decisive shift for the better in Scottish education. They brought with them a deeper learning and a greater emphasis on analysis, engagement and understanding. Now it's been a challenging 12 months for parents, for teachers and for pupils. But I've been enormously impressed by the motivation, energy and creativity I've seen in schools around the country and by your resilience. I've said many times before, we are blessed with an outstanding and professional teaching workforce in Scotland. It's gone the extra mile. It's to its immense credit that the exam diet went well. So many of our pupils received new nationals against some very rigorous standards. And so many pupils achieve strong grades in their hires, advanced hires, intermediates, and access qualifications. Teachers had to work exceptionally hard. Some have felt imposed upon. And I'm sorry if some felt that way. 
but I think we've come through it with a feeling that we have together overcome the difficulties and learned from them. Teachers have adopted and advocated increasingly professional values because of CFE itself, Teaching Scotland's Future, and also the new GTCS standards. And they should be commended. We, you should all be commended for that. Through CFE, teachers are collaborating across schools and local authority areas in exciting and new ways, and we need to encourage that. Emerson once wrote that without ambition, we start nothing. The prize will not be sent to us. We have to win it. And so it has been with Curriculum for Excellence. The prize for that ambition is delivering the best possible experience we can for Scotland's pupils. And have no doubt this has been a better set of qualifications. I've heard of older pupils who've just missed out on doing the new courses, expressing the wish that they'd had the chance to do them. There always has to be a first, though. And I think those pupils have been thoroughly engaged with Curriculum for Excellence and have done well out of it. And I thank them, too. The issue now is that how we do education in Scotland has changed. And we've got to learn from that process. The new qualifications are only part, though an important part, of the transformation of education in Scotland. That's why I invited the Curriculum for Excellence Management Board to reflect on the implementation of the new qualifications. And I welcome the publication of their report last month. We'll look to make continuing refinements and to improve outcomes for learners. And I've asked Education Scotland to establish curriculum, learning, teaching, assessment and support forums for precisely that reason. Those forums are now underway. Some of you are involved in them. Some meetings have already taken place. There'll be an important feature in future-proofing CFE, keeping learning fresh and relevant for our children and young people. We've always got to look at what the data tells us. And any improvements will be data-driven. But any data we collect will be for a purpose. That's why I asked the OECD to report in 2015 on the impact that CFE is having. And that work's going to be supported by the Royal Society of Edinburgh's Education Committee. It'll be an important factor when we come to assess progress. It will give us the data. We want a system that continues to, le to learn and to improve over time. Last year, I made a commitment to establish a new Scottish College for Educational Leadership. That's now up and running with a new chief executive in the front row and a new website, more importantly, a new fellowship program and available to all teachers. Learning is both a right and a professional obligation. That's why we'll also be providing funding to GTCS to support the creation of a single e-portfolio, which will allow all teachers to document and record the outcome of their learning throughout their career. And I'm going to go on seeking continuous improvement in other areas too. Last month we launched Insight, the new benchmarking tool for senior phase. It'll be an important part of the jigsaw because it'll help schools identify where they are having the most success with senior phase pupils and where more could be done. Now that it's live, it's important we continue to get feedback from schools so it can go on being developed. And we're also moving forward with our infrastructure, with the Schools for the Future program. As you see, we're building 67 new schools. 17 of those are already open, and I'll be privileged to open another one in, our, in Aberdeenshire next week. By the start of 2017, every local authority will have at least one new school under construction or open. These new schools are fantastic, innovative places of learning. We want to encourage more of them. But we can do better than that. That's why I announced £5 million in August 
to aid the development of innovative learning spaces and why I hope to be able to announce a further extension to the Schools for the Future programme shortly. And we know the use of digital technologies is absolutely crucial too. That's why we're increasing the connectivity bandwidth to local authorities and improving GLOW. Some new services are already available, more will be added next month. There's a greater flexibility for schools and authorities to add new apps and their own apps. And you can find out more by visiting the GLOW Connect stand here today. But one of the most important collaborations is with parents. The evidence tells us that parents will be more likely to become involved in their child's education if they have the right information, not just more information. That's why the National Parent Forum continues to be an important partner for us in our efforts to provide better and more timely information about their child's learning. And I'm delighted that they've been joined by the SPTC in hosting the Parents Connect area at this year's festival. Curricula for, curriculum for Excellence has been a tremendous collaborative project. It's raised the bar in terms of attainment. The recent exams have been part of that process. And against every main measure, Scottish education is getting better. But that performance has to be sustained and further improved. And we need to address the inequalities which still exist within our system. Westminster's record on child poverty has been abysmally poor. Despite the efforts of successive UK governments, there are children the length and breadth of Scotland whose lives and whose ability to learn and attain are blighted by poverty. It's quite wrong to think that by merely putting children in school, we can somehow automatically reduce the differences between the poor and the better off. Anyone involved in the sharp end of education knows that poverty comes from outside school, but it creates barriers to learning within the school. But we also know that schools and the people who work in them can be, have a profound and lasting impact on the lives of pupils. The positive changes we seek can only be brought about by early and by some, in some cases, sustained intervention. Above all, our recent debate has focused our attention on what kind of society we want Scotland to be, and similarly on what we cannot and should not tolerate for our children and young people. Last week's results confirmed that in many of Scotland's most deprived communities, people are demanding that we do better. Writing almost 240 years ago, Adam Smith noted that no society can surely be flourishing and happy, of which the far greater part of the members are poor and miserable. So if we fail to address the attainment problem, the poverty problem, our society cannot be, as Smith would have it, flourishing and happy. And we must use whatever powers we can get as a positive continuation of our journey to date. We must use them to support our effort to drive up attainment in Scottish schools. In June this year, along with the teaching unions and other local partners, I launched the Raising Attainment for All programme. Twelve local authorities, over 100 schools from across Scotland, are now signed up to becoming part of a learning community forensically focused on closing the equity gap, listening to children like Reese, whom I met at his school, and who told me that the difference is that he was no longer scared of his lessons. We can make that difference to every child in Scotland if we choose to do so. And we do it by making sure that schools and practitioners share the same improvement methodology, the shame, share the same learning, and the same passion for change. 
We have a nationally coordinated program led by Education Scotland to partner schools so that they can share that best practice one with another. Cross-school and cross-authority working, which hasn't been the norm in Scotland in the past, will be the most effective tool. We've seen that, for example, from Ontario. That's the approach we're now taking. It is a national collaboration, and through it, more and more teachers are working creatively and with others to deliver the best outcomes for Rhys and all the other thousands like him. In June this year, I also launched the Access to Education Fund specifically to reduce particular barriers for pupils from disadvantaged backgrounds. And we have a coordinated program of literacy and numeracy hubs developing across Scotland, and we're expanding and accelerating their development with virtual national support hubs being developed in the coming year. And we're making progress in the early years as well. We must work together to make sure that children in the early years get the best deal possible. With GERFEC, we're on the right course. We've shifted the balance towards early intervention. We have sustained investment in the right things at a time of unprecedented financial pressure. And we're well on the way with our program to improve the life chances of looked after children. We've invested in a change fund for early years. We're delivering on a parenting strategy. And we've legislated to provide a named person to give advice and help for children and families when needed. Something I've seen in action and witnessed for myself the amazing, positive, genuine, sympathetic good that it does. And that same legislation has always been the, also been the starting point for our efforts to transform Scotland's childcare. Last month, tens of thousands of parents and carers across Scotland started gaining from extra hours of early, free early learning and childcare. When we came into office in 2007, we've since then we've expanded funded provision for three and four-year-olds by 45%. That's our record. It equates to an increase worth up to £700 per child per year. And now we're extending this entitlement to thousands of our more disadvantaged two-year-olds. Our approach has been phased and it's been sustainable. It's been focused on those most in need who will benefit most. They're already supporting families across Scotland. Finally, I want to say something about older learners. Our colleges continue to respond well to employers' demands for new skills. While our universities provide both the high-level skills and the world-class research on which our economic progress depends, the reform program that we've undertaken has worked. Our colleges and universities must continue to identify areas for greater collaboration and greater coherence, but they must also deliver for adult learners. While chairing the National Strategic Forum for Adult Learning, I had the privilege of meeting again and again with groups of adult learners to discuss what matters to them, to listen to their ideas and to their experiences. And as a, as a result, we work together on a statement of ambition for Scotland's adult learners. That's a powerful initiative, and I've been closely involved in taking it from its early stages right through until its conclusion. Now we have to make it a reality, providing Scotland with a cohesive framework of advice and guidance for lifelong learning. We want a creative and engaged learning society where every adult in Scotland will have the right to access learning. We want learning that is lifelong, life-wide, and learner-centered. Adult learning is about developing potential, not just of the individuals involved, but of their families, their communities, and their society. And over the coming months, I'm going to continue with that work to further remove barriers for adults engaging education 
and to promote equality. And that approach to adult learning fits in more widely with the approach we're taking to the work of the Commission on the Young Workforce, which you'll be discussing, I know, over the next day. The Commission's recommendations are unarguable. Since receiving the report in June, Angela Constance has been working with me and other partners in local government to draw up an implementation plan, which is going to be published later in the autumn. And this is about providing work-relevant education for our young people. It's about employers shaping and benefiting from Scotland's education system. And above all, it's about the future workforce, our young people, making informed and ambitious choices. Now, we can't change all of that overnight, but with everybody working together, we can tr go on transforming the prospects for our young people to make sure that we have a genuinely world-class system of vocational training. I think that in education, the progress we're making mirrors the progress of our nation. Progress is never easy, but it is essential. Scotland has changed and changed for the better, just as Scottish education is changing and changing for the better. Last week, the referendum told us loud and clear that the passionate desire for a better country is shared by millions of our fellow citizens. It has been an unforgettable experience to be part of that process, and I hope to continue to be involved in it. We have a country of passion deeply engaged now with what is going on around it and what its future should be. That sentiment, which has been so apparent, cannot, should not, be diminished or derided. It has to inspire us to further action. There's a call for change from some of our most deprived areas, and that's being heard most clearly of all. There's a hope for a new kind of Scotland based on fairness, equity, hope, opportunity, equality, and justice. We've now got the opportunity to come together in a constructive and unified way, in a common citizenship, to hold Westminster to account and to demand the best possible outcome for Scotland and for Scottish education. We must seize this opportunity to re-energize our mission, to create a better, more equitable education system, to keep moving from good to great for all our young people and for every learner. Thank you.